the years that I've been here, my favorite church services, you know, as much as I love scripture and I love hearing the word, but my favorite times when I feel like I've really um, just received downloads from God and been impacted more than anything is when Pastor and Miss Peggy share stories of their family and and they give us a glimpse into their their lives because it it's all about relationships with God with each other and for some reason you know just knowing that their children eat glass when they're little and um, little things like that uh, help me just to build intimacy and relationship and that's Dan Dan Pastor Dan good job Dan way to think that one through how was it <laughs> the Christmas tree delicious so so i just want to say that um i just love i love my pastors this family of faith i, I love this place so much and there's nothing i want there's nothing i want more than to not be standing here tonight to be honest with you and there's nothing i need more than to be standing here tonight and i say that because sometimes god does for me what i can't do for myself and, and Pastor and Miss Peggy, this wasn't a planned thing. I got a call sometime today and asked if um, if I would come and share tonight and preach. And you know, I live by the principle of service or suffer. I live by that principle today to avail myself and always serve and, and to give back because I've been such a taker for so long. And so when, when John called and said, you know, Pastor Dan's been really, you know, tired and and stressed and going through a lot with the new baby and all of that and pastor um you know preach sunday i just thought right there okay well, i'm gonna do it but i really don't want to and the reason why i haven't wanted to is part of it's because i haven't been in the garden as much as i usually have been lately i've been in in the field more and another part is I, you know i have a 31 year old son so i'm gonna give you a little glimpse real quick before we go into to is that all right are you okay with that so I have a 31-year-old son. He's a twin. I have twin children, and most of you don't know that. Most of you see me here with my two-year-old and my seven-year-old. And, and my son's going through a lot of things. So it's been really, really breaking my heart. And a lot of things resurface, shame and guilt, and a lot of things because they were just little babies, and they didn't ask for a dad like me. And they didn't ask for those things. And so now as he's crying out needing help, I look back and I see that um, I've made so many mistakes and I've hurt so many people. And I know that some of the roots of what he's going through right now is a result of that. And I say that to say this, you know, in Philippians 121, uh, he says to live is Christ. He doesn't say to live for Christ. He says to live is Christ. That one word makes such a big difference. I would not change where I'm at today and how good I feel and how thankful I am and how blessed my life is for anything in the world because of what Christ has done, already done, and given me the opportunity to live and be so happy and so fulfilled in every way, I would not change that for anything, for anything. And I thank God and I thank this. You know, David Wagner said, God, show me the other side of my, my obedience. And I saw myself on the other side of, of Pastor Miss Peggy's obedience. I saw myself standing there. 
You know, I don't know what they went through before I got here a decade ago, but I'm sure they went through some hard times having a place, providing what they have for men and women that need a place like this. And I just saw myself on the other side of that. So all the pain and hard work that they went through, the trouble that they endured, I just want to say thank you. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for that. And. And I also am not going to buy into the enemy like Dan mentioned right now about mending the heart with gold. I will not partner with shame and guilt in this. And so, you know, I ask for your prayers, you know, when you go to bed tonight and just, you know, to help me through this time. Um, that being said, I, I really didn't want to share a whole lot because I, I've been going through some things. And here's what happened after I hung up the phone. I said, God, you know, I haven't had anything bubbling inside of me lately. You know, I usually run around and I ask people, you know, what God's, what's God saying to you? What's he doing in your life? Because I want to feast on that, man. I want to feast on what he's doing everywhere. And I haven't been there lately. I've been in another place, and it's not bad. And, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I was asked today, I said, God, what do you want me to do? Because I don't have anything I really want to talk about. And he said, step up to the plate. Now, now, when God says step up to the plate, and I'm going to share because that means a lot to me, and I'm going to share why that is. But when God says step up to the plate, whether you think you're ready or not, he knows that it's home run time. Whether you feel like you've been equipped or trained or ready or not, when God says step up to the plate, it's all about him. Holy Spirit, have my mouth, have your way tonight. So when God says step up to the plate, he knows it's time and you're ready. And so God said that to me today. And that means something to me and it's really important. Uh, about two and a half, three years ago, I was speaking to a group and, and it was mostly atheists. And I was really, really nervous about how to, how to just engage that. And, and so I was praying to God, and, and God said, step up to the plate. And so I grabbed my Bible, and God said, no, don't bring your Bible. I was like, ah, I need this. And he said, if it ain't in you, don't say it. I've placed what's in you that needs to be said. And so I stepped up to the plate, and, and over the, the last probably two and a half years, at least five of those atheists have crossed over into the family of faith and serve the kingdom. And, and so it wasn't me. And to live is Christ because he's a creator and life flows. And to live is Christ. And so when he said step up to the plate, I go to the end of Deuteronomy and the beginning of Joshua. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and I talked last time a little bit about Ephesians, about being equipped. Tonight I'm going to talk a little bit more about training. You know, there's a big difference between equipped and trained. And, and we need to understand that Ephesians talks about being equipped and it talks about the gifts that flow through the apostle, the prophet, the apostle, the, the pastor, and, and those gifts to equip us, to equip the saints, do the work. And there's another thing about training that needs to take place. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight because they're different. I can go out to the football field and the equipment manager will make sure I have shoulder pads, make sure I have a helmet, make sure I'm ready for the game. But that doesn't mean I am trained and ready to play football. Just because I put on the shoulder pads doesn't make me a football player. Um, there's some other things that God really wants us to engage 
to be fully ready when we step up to the plate. And so I'm going to touch on that tonight. Can, if you got your Bibles, go to um, the end of Deuteronomy 34, 9 through 12, then we're going to skip into Joshua. And I'm going to give you a little background. We're going to talk about what's going on here. But I just want to read for you in 9. It says, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses has laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses. Sounds like Moses was pretty, you know, just pretty high-powered guy. Sounds like Moses had a lot going on, and God loved him a lot. Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Okay. So now we're going to go right into the next verse into Joshua. Now, I want you to get a picture of how significant a man Moses was to Israel, to God, to you, to me. I want you to get a picture when you hear something like that and you say, as far as stepping up to the plate, that was Babe Ruth right there. Moses was, was it. And so he comes in in the beginning of Joshua and he says to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, cross the Jordan you and all his people, to the land which I am giving to them, the sons of Israel, every place on which the sole of your feet tread, I have given to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, and I will not fail you nor forsake you. Now, Joshua's, <clears throat> he's stepping up to the plate after Babe Ruth. You know, Joshua, literally, if you think about his life and put yourself in what just happened that past 40 years, um, if you think about Joshua, this was a real difficult time, and this was a difficult thing. And I'm pretty sure, and it doesn't say, but I'm pretty sure Joshua didn't feel like he was the man. And part of him probably really wished Moses was back to finish what had begun. Because we just heard about Moses, and we heard about all the things that are said about Moses, and we know. So giving you a little history, you know, the children of Israel, and we're going to talk about just what happened that Moses was bringing all these children out of. They were imprisoned, they were oppressed, they were enslaved generation after generation after generation. God's children were under a regime, they were governed, they were enslaved, all the things, and you may think to yourself that I've been there, and I have. I've been enslaved and governed by drugs and alcohol. I've been enslaved, and you may have been enslaved or governed by money or the American American dream or getting what you got to get or pride or anger, all those things these people had experienced, they had been lay, literally enslaved by Pharaoh and Egypt generation after generation after generation. And Moses comes and God says, listen, it's time for this to end. And, and God charges Moses to free the people. You guys know the story, right? 
and they head into the wilderness. Miracles happen. We know the power of God, his hand, his word, and what that represented. And it was done as he said it would be done. And they head into the wilderness, and it's supposed to be a short journey. In fact, earlier in the Bible, it says that he even knows the way to where they're going. And it's supposed to be a short journey. I've heard some theologians and some Bible scholars say 13 days or 17 days or 20, whatever. It was a short journey, and he knew the way. And they head into the wilderness. They leave captivity. They're no longer under the thumb and oppression. They're no longer governed and bound by that. So some of us leave drugs or we leave the, the worldly systems. We leave bitterness or pride or we leave um, sex addictions. All these things, adultery, stealing, lying, whatever it had its hand on us that it oppressed us, that enslaved us, that kept us in those places that were dark, that hurt us and painful. Some of us right here tonight have been delivered from that now. God has stepped in. Moses came in your life and brought you out of that. And then there's a wilderness time. And it's supposed to be a short time. And, and here's the deal. Um, I'm not going to say whether or not all of them had right, wrong, hearts, good, bad. I don't really care. Here's the deal. They were following God. Cloud by day, fire by night. They followed God. Now, you would think, why, God, aren't you just jetting them right through? What is this all about, 40 years of toil and circle and, and pulling our hair out? Why, God? We're following you. When you say move, the tents go up, millions of people move. And that's a good question. And some of us that have been delivered from drugs or alcohol or sex or anger or pride or money, or whatever it is that has had this thumb of oppression, that has governed and controlled your life, that has just dictated the circumstances and how you live, whatever that is, some of you have been delivered from that, and you're wondering, well, God's taken me someplace because there's all these promises and there's this promised land, but I'm not there. I'm still kind of without. Now, God took care of the children, right? He gave them manna. He took care of their needs, but it was far short of the promises that they had before them. There were some promises, and God has some promises for you, for me, for all of us, and I speak to me most when I say this. And sometimes I get tired of the wilderness and following God and wondering what's going on, really. I've been circling this mountain a little while. You know, money and pressure and guilt and shame and drugs and, and whatever you fill in the blank with your own life someone needs to hear this tonight and God's delivered you from that and you're in the wilderness and you've been there for a long time and you're following God and you're wondering where are the promises when are they coming and that's a good question um, that's a question I ask oftentimes because the wilderness isn't that much fun, even though the man is cool. I can't hoard it, you know? God doesn't even let greed come in. If I try and take more than one day, it turns rancid. If I don't just use what God's providing for me, I can't store things up, I can't. So it's okay, it tastes all right, but I think they still wanted to go back and get leeks or something, right? I don't know what a leek is, but isn't that what they wanted to go back to? Yeah, so they wanted to go back. So they complained a lot, 
And so we're going to talk about the wilderness and why myself and maybe you have stayed in the wilderness 40 years instead of 17 days and crossed into some of the promises God has for you. Does anyone in here want the promises, the real promises God has for you? And then sometimes ask yourself, well, it just seems a lot harder than it should be. And, and, you know, and I think I'm doing all the right things. And we question ourselves and we complicate things. And here's the deal. We overthink things so often and make it so complicated. And God doesn't want us to be confused. Step up to the plate. I might not feel ready, but God has a plan. It's already worked out. I can apprehend that which has been apprehended already. I don't have to do anything. To live is Christ. I don't have to complicate things. So, so I ask myself, I have these natural dilemmas because I'm in a natural body and God placed me here. I have all these spiritual desires and hopes and wants and I want to be, you know, spirit filled and all this. And they seem to be conflicting all the time and I fight myself. And I'm like, a, you know, just pulling back and forth, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. Jesus said, listen, the flesh is weak, the spirit is strong. He didn't say the flesh is bad. He said the flesh is weak, the spirit is strong. So you know where to fight from a position of leverage. You know where the power's at. He told you the spirit is strong. You want to fight, get on your knees. That's where the power is. We don't fight power, uh, carnal. We fight power principalities and power right? Our fight is not carnal. But oftentimes we confuse things. We get things mixed up. I do. And I say, God, is that a mean joke that my spirit would be at odds with my flesh? You created me to live in the world, to be right here, right now in this place. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered. I'm supposed to be here right now, and I'm in the natural, and yet I've got this conflict, and I can't seem to figure things out, and I'm fighting myself, and I've got guilt and shame, and I'm wondering if maybe because he got a Lexus and I don't, I'm doing something wrong, and the promises aren't there, and I confuse things, and I make things really, really troublesome for me, and I I want to tell you, God doesn't want you confused or troubled. And he created you with a purpose and a destiny perfectly with your spirit man and your natural man and woman. He did that for a reason. And it wasn't to confuse you. And it wasn't to hurt you. Do you get that? He loves you. He's a good God. And so we confuse things. So, you know, I had someone say, hey, man, you know, I've got the spirit of poverty on me. You know, help me, help me, help me. And, you know, I'm broken. And so I said, yeah, I can help you with that. You know, I prayed, God, get this guy a job. You get a job and the spirit of poverty goes. All right. That's what you need. This is not a real spiritual thing. This is a natural thing. And, and I'm just being honest, and I didn't say it like that, but the real deal is get a J-O-B and learn how to manage your money, and that fight will be gone. And it's that simple, but I want to complicate things too. And I want to say, well, you know, I don't want to feed the flesh with carnal desires and all this. Well, the Bible also said a man doesn't work, a man doesn't eat. Okay? Not to become a burden on others. Get a J-O-B, and that spirit of poverty will leave. Learn how to manage your money. Get around the body of Christ, the people with victory in that area, and I guarantee you won't battle that anymore. And it's that simple. But I complicate things, too, because sometimes I just want to watch a little more football or basketball than I should. Sometimes I want to just sit around and do things that I shouldn't. It's easy to fall into that. But it's not complicated, and it's not meant to hurt you. 
Okay? So when we read this and we talk about the circumstances, has anyone in here ever lived through their circumstances in the moment? Anyone? You know, you get really angry or something, you're going through, through something at work or with your wife or with the children and you kick the dog and, you know, you, you live through the circumstances always and you seem to see people around you maybe that live through circumstances, right? Well, I got probation and all these fines and I've got child support. And then they live through the, they live through the circumstances and, and you tend to know their circumstances real well and they give life to the circumstance always because that's all you hear about. And they speak, in, and the Bible says to, you know, choose this day life or death, and the power of life is right here. So whatever I'm speaking all the time, I'm really focusing on and giving power to all the time, and they're always living out of their circumstances. Maybe you've done it, I've done it. I've done it a lot of times, and I found that I treated my children or my wife wrong because the light bill, I was having a difficult time paying my bills. I find that I treated myself differently because I was living through my circumstances. God does not want you to feel bound and oppressed by the world system and live by your circumstances. In fact, God doesn't want that at all. And when we look at why people stay in the wilderness so long and we have that kind of living and lifestyle and behaviors and all that, it's very simple. It's not that complicated either because God expects a lot from us. And, and he does because to much is given, much is required. God has some expectations and he's not going to pour his resources down the drain. He's not going to give us the promises if we can't steward them with honor, not only to ourselves but to God. If we we can't handle it, we're not stepping up to the plate, period. Okay? We're going to circle the mountain a little longer until we've been equipped and trained enough to go in. You know, when the children crossed over into the promised land, how many of the generation that had been actually enslaved was there that crossed over? Two, right? Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua. So, so I want to give you some insight, and this is good for me because of the drugs and alcohol for 30 years that governed and controlled and oppressed me. When I first got clean and sober and started walking this faith out and was, and was just seeing miracle after miracle, I got to tell you, I had a dope fiend mentality for a long time, okay? If someone dropped a wallet, my first thought was not to, hey, hey, hey. My first thought, because of my life, was that God's blessing me. I hit a lick. Okay. If, if the teller gave me back $20 extra, my first thought was, wow, thank you. You know, I hit a lick again. Those things don't happen to you when you're doing dope. But when, you get, when you're not, they do. And they, they'll happen a lot. And you'll find things all the time. So listen, I had a dope fiend mentality for a long time. I was walking that desert for a long time. Now, the whole generation that had lived under the slave and oppression of Pharaoh died. That whole generation. In fact, everyone that walked into the promises that God had laid up didn't know what it was like to be a slave. Never were a slave. They never lived under the oppression of slavery. They never lived governed by Pharaoh and those people. They never lived and had that poverty slave mentality. Now, I just want to say that I, 
I'm not sure, but here's what I think, because I read between the lines sometimes. I think had they been able to lay down some of that and trust God for who they were, what they had been purposed for, and the destiny they had, and just erased and eliminated all that, that slave mentality, I believe they would have all crossed in also. But I don't think God was willing to jeopardize such precious gifts and what he had promised to a generation that was unable to steward it, to handle it, okay? So we ask ourselves oftentimes, and we talked about in Galatian about the heir, the heir to all of it, you and I are heirs, the heir to the kingdom. We talk about how we are heirs to all of it, yet we have less authority than the, the, the who? The servants over us until the appointed time, until the maturity rises, until we get to that place, we will be heirs to all of it. But while we're young and while we're immature, while we're unable to steward that which God has given us, those promises, he is not going to waste it. He says the servant has more authority than the heir until the appointed time. I might promise my daughter, she's seven years old, a new car when she turns 16 if the grades are good, but I'm not going to give her my car tomorrow. She's seven. That promise is good. It's just timing and maturity. Okay? The promise God had, he always had for all of us. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He sees it all. These promises that are laid out here are for you and for me, for all of us. And what's required oftentimes is not what's wrong with God, but what are we doing and what's wrong with us? Because he gives us clear indication on how we can access these promises. And oh, by the way, when we got to the promised land, what do we have over there? What's it say? Hittites and giants and yeah, there's milk and honey and big grapefruits and gold and silver and all that. But man, there's, some, there's a bunch of Rambos too occupying some places that... <laughs> So we have some challenges ahead of us that we truly need to be trained for so that we can walk into the promises God has. You know how important training is? You know that um, prior to World War II, I read an article that prior to World War II, 95% of the men in battle never fired their weapon. Think about this. We go out to battle against Bradenton and we're all together and 95% of you never fire a weapon. And there's bullets flying and people dropping and no one's firing. You know, they were trained prior to World War II with targets and bullseyes. And they were trained in boot camp to hit the bullseye. And they would get grades as marksmen and experts and all them. But when they got on the battlefield, the stress levels raised so high, fight or flight instinct jumped in and they were looking for targets. And there were no targets running around firing back at them. So they stood there, not firing their weapon. What do they use now in the military in all training? They use silhouettes. In fact, they put people groups of the areas of conflict they're going into. So that when you train to engage in war, you're trained completely. Firefighters don't naturally run into burning buildings, just to let you know. They do think what we think, run away. 
They have to be trained to run into burning buildings. I read an article about New York police back when it was really, really going through some things and a lot of people were getting shot. They were getting shot after they had been arrested. Many of you may remember some of the times when that was happening and there was this big thing about how nasty the New York Police Department was, how corrupt and evil and wicked and nasty they were. And they were, they were on the streets and, and there, was, there was these lapels that they had. Do you remember the, the little lapels the police officers well, let me give you before that, Dan just had a child, but if you go through and have a baby at any time, they go through what's called an APGAR, right? They test the baby. The first thing they do is they do that to check lateral movement. They check lateral movement because if the baby's arms and everything doesn't respond laterally, they know there's a disconnect in the brain and they work on that and deal with that, right? So when we when we're born, we're born with two fears naturally and two only, fear of noise and fear of falling. And that's why everyone says, shh, in the nurse, shh, you can't wake the baby, shh. And fear of falling. Babies have those two natural fears in their brain for whatever reason. You hear a loud noise, they start crying. You do that and their arms move laterally. As stress levels increase, we go back to what's instinctually God-given and put in us. Okay, fast forward that when the police officers were trained and they were given the lapels on the streets of New York and they were in firefights with these people and the stress levels were up and it was fight or flight, do or die, and they would apprehend the criminal and they would get them on their back and zip tie them with their gun out to them and they would go to call for backup and lateral movement kicked in and they would blow the brains out of the people already handcuffed on the ground. And the bystanders would look and say, that cop just shot an innocent man. They had to redo and retrain everything so that when they went to call for backup, they weren't pulling the trigger. Okay. Training's important. Listen, two cops in New York, two, a husband-wife team, they were always training together and they were dealing with hostage situations. And what they would do at the dinner table after dinner every night, they would put the gun to the back of each other's head and they would do a karate move, take the gun, hand it back and the next one would do it. Every night, year after year, they did this, husband and wife. The husband gets called to a bank robbery. He's going through the back hallways. He notices the, the, the bank robber, sneaks up to him, and, and he, as he's going to the bank robber, the, the co-defendant gets behind him and puts the gun right to his head. So he stops. He spins around, does his karate move, hands the gun back to him. When, when stress, listen, Christmas is stressful. Having children stressful. Work can be stressful. As stress levels increase, our brain does goofy things sometimes, and lack of training causes us to act sometimes in ways we don't want to. It's so important to be trained to steward the promises that God has for each and every one of you for me. It's so important that not only are we equipped properly, that we're trained properly, that we can step into the promised land. Is anyone tired of circling the mountain, walking in the wilderness? I, I get tired too. And it's just as simple as that, that we train up, and the Bible even has a scripture about training, right? With the kids, train them up in the ways of the Lord. When they're old, they will not depart. Right? We need to train up. In fact, the Bible has a lot of scripture about training, so I encourage you to dig into that. Training. And so we get back to the children in the... I'm going to wrap this up, 9 o'clock. We get back to the children in the wilderness. And I want to just say this, that a poverty mentality, 
dope fiend mentality, holding on to pride, to adultery, to stealing, to that mindset, to live under the world system, and to think that you're going to enter into the promises God has for you is ridiculous. And I'm not going to complicate it with spiritual or natural things. I'm going to tell you in Romans 12, 2, God, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of mind. Listen, if you conform yourself to the systems of the world, if all you care about is getting the white picket fence like the Joneses next door, if all you care about is conformity, because that's what the world preaches, the world preaches, you better look like a doctor, you better live in this neighborhood, you better drive this car, send your kid to this school, do this, do that, do that, and if you don't, you're other than them. And if you want to live by a conformed world, you can expect to be subjected to exactly what the world has for you. Every time. It has nothing for you. It has nothing for any of us. If it had something, if making money was all it was, Kurt Cobain would be alive today. Michael Jackson would be alive. Whitney Hughes, if it was about money and gathering goods, they would be here today. The world has nothing. And if we conform ourselves, and if our heart doesn't change us, if we don't train up and do things like godly men and women and learn how to enter into the promises, we'll never get them. God's not going to get We'll be the generation like Moses' generation that dies in the wilderness. Yes, it's great to be free, and I'd rather die in the wilderness free from dope and all that great. I love it, but I sure want to go into the promised land. I want the promised land, okay? Dying in the wilderness with God is great, and it's better than being oppressed by drugs and crime and all those things, or Pharaoh or whoever it was that had his hand of oppression on you that governed your life. But there's much more, and God has much more for you. And if we mature ourselves, equip ourselves, and train up, we can enter into the promised land, and we can really enjoy the fruits. We could fight some giants and know we're ready for battle and not give a lot of tongue and a lot of life to the situations in front of us, but give honor and glory to God for doing the work already that needs to be done. He already did it. He said it was finished. Yeah. He did. All right, so lay some hands. Listen, I wanted to tell you something, too. Lay some hands on some people tonight. You know, sometimes we think about that, and James, I think, is one of the first scriptures, and James was, he, you know, he was, he was a Jewish man, and, and he said in James, you know, lay hands, get the elders and lay hands for the healing, um, but it's for much more than just healing. It's for an inheritance. It's for us to really impart spiritual gifts to speak life. It's for us to train each other up. Lay hands on your brothers and sisters often, always. They knew that culture knew the power of laying on hands long before James said it in that book. They knew exactly what that meant. That culture lived by that. And I want us to get back into living by like that. We need to lay hands on each other often. We need to speak life. We need to impart. We need to do these things daily with each other, strengthen each other. So take the time tonight on your way out. Lay hands. Speak life for a minute. Encourage and inspire. Equip and train. All right. Is that all right? You guys all right with that? All right. Hey, I thank you so much for, I thank you so much for listening um, <clears throat> and letting me be here tonight. I thank you so much, Pastor. I, and I, I mean that I did not want to be here and I needed to be here so bad. 
And so I really did, and um, I need to be in the garden a little more like you do, too. Lay hands on each other in the garden. That's even better. And uh, I appreciate you guys. I really do. Thanks.